Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of Anthology, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. If this is your first time listening, Anthology is a podcast exploring science fiction anthology storytelling during television's first golden age. But in honor of Black Mirror's new season premiering on Netflix on October 21st, I'll be covering each episode of Charlie Brooker's technophobic sci-fi anthology series in this bonus episode series. You can find more of Anthology at AnthologyPod.com, and if you want to contact me, you can use the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AnthologyPod, tweet me at ObsessiveViewer, send an email to Matt at ObsessiveViewer.com, or call and leave me a voicemail at 317-762-6099. If you like what you hear and want to support the podcast, please head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. The more ratings and reviews I get, the easier it will be for I, for people to find the show and I, to find the show in iTunes' search results. And if you want to show your support with your wallet, you can do that by clicking the donate button on anthologypod.com or in the or in the show notes of this episode. Any donations made will help pay the fees to keep the podcast running and will be incredibly appreciated. Finally, if you're in Indianapolis, my friends and I at the Obsessive Viewer are hosting an event on October 14th. It's called Shocktober in Irvington, and it's a one-night event screening of short horror films from local filmmakers. We basically rent out a small theater, screen the short horror films, interview the filmmakers in between each screening, and raffle off DVDs, Blu-rays, and gift cards to local businesses for the audience. It's our third year doing it, and it's a blast, and all the proceeds go right to the Irvington Historical Society. And as an added bonus to Anthology listeners, you can get $1 off the price of admission by using the promo code PODCAST2 when you buy your tickets. And if you can't make it but you still want to donate to the Historical Society, you can do that by going to sharktoberinirvington.com and go like you're going to buy your tickets. And... A link to buy tickets and more information about the event and everything is at com. So today in this bonus episode, I'm going to be uh, discussing Be Right Back. It's the first episode of Black Mirror's uh, second series, and it originally aired on February 11th, 2013 on Channel 4 in the UK. And as is the case with uh, both the bonus episodes and... Uh, my, the main episodes of the podcast. I'm going to start off with a plot summary that will detail everything about the episode. So if you haven't seen it yet, um, pause this, go check it out. Um, it's available on Netflix. Um, and then come back and listen to my review. So the plot summary for Be Right Back, according to Wikipedia, um, is as follows. Martha and Ash are a young couple who move to a remote house in the countryside. Ash is a social media addict and compulsively checks his phone for updates on his social network pages. The day after moving into the house, Ash is killed returning the returning the hire van. At the funeral, Martha's friend Sarah tells her about a new online service that tell, that lets people stay in touch with the deceased. By using all of his past online communications and social media profiles, a new Ash can be created virtually. Martha rejects the idea outright, but Sarah signs Martha up to the service anyway without telling her. When Martha is sent an email supposedly from Ash, she furiously confronts Sarah, who urges her at, to at least give the service a try before dismissing it. Over the following days, Martha is overwhelmed by grief and soon discovers that she is pregnant. 
Becoming emotionally unstable, she responds to the Artificial Ash's email. She starts to communicate with him through instant messaging and informs him of the pregnancy. She then uploads videos and photos of Ash to the service's database, and the service duplicates Ash's voice to talk to Martha over the phone. Martha allows herself to believe that she is talking to her dead partner, and over the following weeks, she talks to the artificial Ash almost nonstop, keeping him updated regarding the pregnancy. After Martha accidentally damages her phone and has a panic attack when she temporarily loses contact with the service, the artificial Ash tells her about the service's next stage, which is still in its experimental phase, a body made of synthetic flesh that the program can be uploaded onto. Martha, Martha buys a blank synthetic body from the service and following the artificial Ash's instructions, she allows the body to take on Ash's physical characteristics. The end result is a clone that looks almost exactly like Ash, only missing minor characterizations such as his facial hair and a mole on his neck. From the moment the clone is activated, Martha is uncomfortable and struggles to accept its existence. Despite the clone satisfying her sexually, she quickly becomes frustrated by it, constantly doing what she says without questioning its lack of emotion, only expressing emotions when she tells it to do so, and the absence of certain uh, habits and personality traits which the real Ash had but the service did not have information on. After an argument, Martha decides she can no longer tolerate the Ash clone taking it to the edge of a tall cliff and ordering it to jump off. The clone agrees to do so, but Martha grows even angrier, saying that the real Ash would not have willingly jumped. The clone responds by begging for its own life, causing Martha to realize that she can't bring herself to get rid of it. The scene cuts to several years, years later, and Martha is shown to have raised her daughter in the country house, keeping the Ash clone locked in the attic. He allow, she allows her daughter to see the clone on weekends, but the daughter convinces Martha to allow her into the attic on her birthday to give it a piece of birthday cake. The daughter reveals in her conversation that the clone that she does that she knows it does not need to eat, but merely used it used this as a ruse to get extra cake. It compliments her guile. While her daughter is in the attic with the clone, Martha waits at the bottom of the attic steps, close to tears. Then, after regaining her emotional composure, she climbs the ladder to join them. Okay, so before I get to my review, I'm going to start with the talent rundown. This episode stars Haley Atwell as Martha. She's very well known for her roles in the Avengers movies and uh, on Agent Carter, playing Peggy Carter. Um, she also has a new series coming out soon called Conviction. And uh, this I didn't know about her. She actually also appeared in the uh, 2009 miniseries remake of The Prisoner with Jim Caviezel and Ian McKellen. Also starring in this episode is, as Ash is Donald Gleason. Uh, he's had a very strong career lately. Uh, he appeared in the last two Harry Potter movies. Uh, he was in Dread, About Time, Brooklyn, The Revenant, and uh, of course also The Force Awakens as General Hux. And but my but my favorite of the movies that he's been in is probably Ex Machina, and uh, it's funny because that movie actually deals with some of the some very similar themes that this episode um, deals with. And he was also in the movie um, Never Let Me Go, which also kind of deals with some similarities to to this episode as well. Which is a movie I haven't seen in a while. I own it, but I just I just haven't seen it since the first time I saw it, and. Uh, I really need to revisit it. It's also got um, Andrew Garfield and Keira Knightley and uh, 
Carrie Mulligan. And it was really good. Um, writer for this episode was Charlie Brooker, who um, his 2008 show uh, Dead Set is currently on Netflix. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm very eager to see it. I haven't uh, had a chance to yet. It's the... The premise is that during a fictional series of Big Brother, a zombie outbreak occurs, but the housemates are unaware of the impending doom outside of the Big Brother house. So that just, that coupled with, that premise coupled with the fact that Charlie Brooker made it, um, has me very intrigued and I definitely want to check it out. Director for this episode was Owen Harris. This is actually his first of two Black Mirror episodes so far. Um, he, he is the director for San Junip, uh, San Junipero, uh, which is the, f- I believe it's the first episode of season three. Um, season three, part one, I guess is what it would be called. Um, that's going to be premiering on October 21st. Um, he also directed a TV movie called Holy Flying Circus. That was about the outrage response, uh, to Monty Python's The Life of Brian when it was released. Um, I'm gonna, I definitely want to check that out if I can get my hands on it. And, uh, he also directed a 2015 movie starring Nicholas Holt called Kill Your Friends, uh, which is available on Amazon Prime. Before I go into my review this week for this, for this bonus episode of Anthology, um, my initial, I guess my initial thoughts on this episode of Black Mirror are that it wasn't as, it wasn't as effective person well no that's not that's not fair um i i guess it didn't hit me as hard as um 15 million merits and the entire history of you did but like those two episodes were just i watched them back to back and it was just a gut punch in both episodes so it's a little unfair to judge it against judge this episode against those but it still, it didn't hit me as hard as that, but I really loved the, um, depiction of grief and how this episode dealt with grief in a very interesting way. Um, so I was really excited to get back into it and watch it again this episode, for this episode, for this podcast. So, um, the episode starts with, with Donald and, uh, uh, Haley Atwell in a car. They're traveling to their new home and Ash is, it's, it's immediately clear that Ash is just distracted by his phone and, and social media. And what I can, what I can tell from, or what I uh, took away from this opening scene of them in the car is that they just had really strong chemistry in this, in this episode and this opening scene, like you are immediately brought into their relationship and their dynamic and it's also, it also hints at several things as well. Like the, uh, the Bee Gees thing, like the, like he's a fan of the Bee Gees and she, this is new information to her and she doesn't know that about him. And then we get the scene where they're in their new home and we see Ash has, is, is looking at the picture of his brother and he's posting it online because he thinks that people will find it funny. And then he goes into this explanation of, of what that, what that, picture represents um from the sound of it his brother had died and it was the first family outing and there's this whole bit about how his mother kept all of his all of his brother's um photographs in the attic and that when his father died she did the same thing to to his photos as well 
And it's kind of a running thing. It's a setup that gets paid off later in the episode at the end. But, um, it's just really interesting because it's so heartfelt. It's so sad that, that this idea of him posting this picture is just because he thinks that people will find it funny, but it has this dark history to it. And it's this really interesting scene that also, um, deepens the, um, connection that's, that, is clear in the, between these two characters and that he is opening up to his, I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessarily, um, shown whether or not they're married, but I'm just going to say wife just for sake of, uh, ease, but they've been together for 10 years and they're moving into his childhood home and he, he's revealing things about himself to his wife that are new to her. And that's kind of the basis for the entire episode and for the conflict and for the conflict going forward, because that's just something that's not possible with an AI, an AI replicant of, of your uh, loved one. So, um, that it, it, it kind of, shows early on that this episode is about grief and how we process grief and, and how people interact and how people represent themselves online in, in social media and, um, on the internet essentially. And that's kind of a running theme. Those two themes kind of run concurrently throughout the, throughout the episode and throughout the story. And it's really effective in that, in that respect. So after that, we show, we show just, it's just, um, them having sex. He's, he's unable to finish. And then, uh, they just go to sleep. So then we get this, this is all the introduction to their relationship and their dynamic. And like, like past episodes of Black Mirror that I've talked about, it's just filled with these little tidbits here and there that are going to have, um, callbacks to later in the episode. And it's going to breed conflict for, for the uh, characters going forward. So Ash takes the, takes the moving van back to, um, the place that they rented it from. And, and Martha can't go because she's got a deadline. So he goes by himself. And what I, like this, this scene coming up is, was so just like heartbreaking to me because we have this scene where, where, uh, Martha is so frantic and she's really worried. She calls the, she calls the place, finds out that the van never arrived and she's calling a friend to, to figure out what to do. Like she doesn't know what to do and she's calling for, um, reassurance or, or to figure out what to do next. And her friend in the, on the phone is just reassuring her saying that that's, it's no big deal. I'm sure that he's going to be there soon. It's not, it's not a big deal. Don't worry. It's, it's fine. And his phone is probably going, uh, going to voicemail because the battery is, is dead and all that stuff. But what I love about the scene is that it's juxtaposed with the police arriving and it's not a knock on the knock on the door per se, or it's not this big, big thing. It's just, it's a gra- somewhat gradual, I would say, um, thing in that we see the lights through the windows. And it's just, we know in that moment, it's just, it's so heartbreaking because it's juxtaposed with this friend reassuring her and making, making her or telling her that everything is going to be okay when we know that it is so not going to be okay. And it's just, it's really heartbreaking. And I, I thought that that was really effective storytelling. So then after that, we get, scenes of Martha in the home, um, grieving and 
well, technically after that, we get the funeral scene where we get the setup of, of the, uh, service that replicates the deceased. But after that, we get this pseudo montage or this series of scenes where it just shows Martha working and doing stuff in the house. And there's something just so profoundly tragic about a widow living alone in her dead husband's childhood home. There's just something so sad and gut wrenching about that. And, and just, um, heart wrenching about that. And it's just, it's just, ah, oh, it's, it's so tragic and it's so sad. Like when she's, when she's painting, um, what I, what I inferred from that was that it, that she's painting to distract herself and everything, but she's about to paint over his, the marks of, of his growth on the, on the door frame. And it just, it's causes her to, to grieve and break down and everything. It's just, it's so, it's so tragic to see that in it. And it's like, that's uh, like <laughs> the idea of her being in, in that house without him is just, that's, it, like I said, it's so tragic and it's so sad. So then we get the friend that's that told her about the service, signing her up for it. And it's like the most invasive and kind of despicable way to introduce a service to a client in that she just gets an email from Ash. And it's so it's so crass and so so tragic and sad, really, because I can't imagine just like one day opening your email and just saying like, Oh, Hey, here's, you know, here's a message from my dead loved one. It's just, it's, it's a gut punch. And, and rightfully so she calls her friend to just scream at her about it. And it's not until she, it's not until she finds out that she's pregnant, that she goes back to the service and, and then, then our story really picks up and gets going. But, it's just, it's such an interesting, in this scenario, the, this service that sends messages and, and, um, pretends or purports to be a, a, a near replica of a loved one. It's so like the idea of world building in, in Black Mirror is they're very strong at, at building this universe and building this world that is contingent on the technology. So we have this technology where this company is offering a service to um, people with dead loved ones that they can take all of their social media, all of their internet presence and compile it into a, a bot or, or a replica of that person to speak to you as if they are still alive. And there's something just so, inherently wrong about that and it's so it's so robbing of a grief process that it's that that's kind of the focal point of the episode is that martha is um grieving so severely um for ash that she can't she's using this service in this in this replica of ash to postpone her grief or or to to not grieve anymore um to just to just have him again and it's it's really, it's really hard to watch for, for, for me, for, for me, it was really hard to watch at least because it's just, it just feels so inherently wrong. And the idea that there's this world or this, this reality in the Black Mirror world where that is 
acceptable is just really sad um, and disturbing and morbid and unnatural, really. And, um, <laughs> but to lighten things up a little bit, I did like that when she's transitioning to the instant messaging service or she's uploading his, uh, data to the instant messaging service, the load screen is the same, like, like black mirror load screen that is in the, uh, opening, opening like bit of the show. I thought that was a nice touch. So like I said, it's, it's morbid and unnatural and, what it boils down to and what this episode kind of boils down to as well. One of the things that episode boils down to is it's how technology affects our emotions or how we put our emotions into the internet and, and how we express ourselves on the, in the internet. But um, what I found was interesting is that her friend set this up for her thinking that it would do her good to be able to speak to him, to kind of resolve some things or, or to, kind of be able to say goodbye, I guess. Um, but Martha doesn't use it for that. She needs, she's in a constant state of needing more. It, she's just wanting to get him back. And that's kind of a profound thing about the episode. And the, th the thing about grief is that if you don't allow a healthy grief process, and if you have a service that allows you to ignore your grieving, um, you'll just want more. And it's, it's, it's really, I really like the way that the service and the technology in this episode is, is factored into the story. That's, that's how I'll say that. Um, so we get, we get moments where she is talking on the phone to Ash, uh, or to the, the bot of Ash. And in these scenes, it reminds me so much of the movie, her, which, again, was, was an amazing movie. And, uh, what, which I, I loved that movie for its kind of, um, statements about human relationships and, and technology and, and being able to like knowing yourself and knowing, knowing other people. Um, so I really appreciate that comparison. Like it, it kind of, it seems almost exactly like the movie her in those moments where she's kind of walking around and just talking to him on the phone. And in the, in those conversations, it's really interesting because they're like, she's explaining to him, like there, there are these little fractures in, in his conversations. Like he's what the writing does what what Charlie Brooker does so well. And what the dialogue is so pitch perfect about is, is nailing down what is the almost ash, like nailing down, like, like the dialogue necessary to show that, that, this is her beloved again, but there are so many moments where it's just almost, almost him, but just not quite like there's that, um, uh, like throw a Jeb. I think that's what it is. Uh, where it's like argue about something and that's something that he never posted online about. So it was just an inside joke. So she has to teach him that. And that's, that just, it's so, it's such a nice touch in the storytelling to have that aspect of it be, be a part of, be a part of the story. And then, so after that sequence, we, we get different stages of, of the evolution of, of fake Ash, as I'll, as I'll say. Um, because after that sequence where she's talking on the phone to him, um, that's when she, dro she drops her phone because she's pregnant and she went to get the sonogram and everything. She drops her phone and she panics because this is a, this is not, 
this is about bandaging grief and that bandage is like threatening to be ripped off when she drops the phone and damages it. So that's when they, there's a reveal in this kind of morbid, like it's not, it's not really depicted this way. And I don't know if this is the intention, but like when, when fake Ash uh, says that there's another stage to it, it kind of feels like that's, that's a weird way. That's a weird way of upselling a product. Like, like, okay, well, you know, this is fine, but you know, you can also get this like, like for just for a little bit more money, you can have a much better experience with this other product that, you know, you can't damage like that. It's just, it was, I don't know if that was the intention, but it was just such a weird escalation that just made me feel uneasy because this is a product and this is a service and it's not her husband. So after that, like, like in something kind of before I, before I move on from that and get to the actual like Android or, or what, what have you, um, after, uh, there's a moment where he says that he's, he's fine. She's not going to lose him because he's in the cloud. And like that, just that line of dialogue is just like, it's so perfect. It's so perfect. There's such a nice double meaning there. And it's just, I, I loved it. Um, so the other level with the, with the robot, it, when, when he's alive, when that replica is alive and Martha is just so freaked out, it's so believable because she, in that moment, it seems like they, it, it's like she's realizing just how messed up this entire thing is. It's like you can feel that hesitation and that, that feeling of like knowing that this isn't right and it's not a natural thing. It's like, you can, you can just feel that. And I, I thought it was really great how, uh, Haley Atwell performed it. And I like how the episode shows like the upsides to having this replica first, like the sex scenes, like showing, showing that, sh- that he can, um, satisfy her sexually, um, co- uh, comparing that to er- the one sex scene with the with the real Ash that we saw, where he couldn't finish, and and there's that whole scene where, uh, like he offers to help her, you know, finish, but she's like, no, that's fine. Um, it's just like they're not. It's a it's a human thing. Like you're not like, not always on your game, but the uh the fa- <laughs> the fake Ash is like he's he's. A, a machine so he is capable of just being able to you know turn it off and on um at will and it's just it's a really good way to show the upsides of having this creature um or this or this product in your home before show showing the downfall of it and it kind of comes kind of immediately because then they have the argument um she she has an argument with him and that's when it's, it's so, it's made so clear, like just how, how not human he is because she, she wants to fight. She wants him to fight her back. She, she wants to fight back or because she wants him to fight back and she wants just something real. She wants something human to come from him that isn't pre-programmed or isn't in service to her. And you can feel the frustration of that and you can feel how you can sympathize with how angry she is and how how much this isn't working for her and how much money she just wasted as well 
but um but yeah and then and then she kicks him out and then the next scene is like it's just adding to it that he can't go a certain distance from his activation point um without his as he calls her administrator and they kind of make up and everything it's just it's it's so weird and or i mean not weird but it's so bizarre it's just it's such a bizarre aspect of the episode that's that's played so well um and it's pitch perfect uh for my taste and then when he comes inside this is a moment that i that i really loved it's like in terms of setups and payoffs it's it's i mean it's pretty clear at this point like we know when things are going when things are being set up to be paid off later so it's kind of i don't know if i'd say expected but just like it didn't wow me that he saw the picture and said that it was funny but it still was effective to me because he saw the picture and said that it was funny and that kind of really hammers home the idea that this that this episode this world that's the kind of thesis one of the thesis statements for this episode is that we're not we're not ourselves when who we who we present ourselves to be online is not the true form of who we are we're we're not the true us online um and that's just the nature of you know sharing on social social media and everything that's just we're not we're not going to be 100% truthful as we will be with our loved ones and the people closest to us in person and if you try to replicate that or feel like you know someone just because you read their status updates like you don't you never know the real person and that's that's kind of a, an emotional through line for the episode and i love that it's just summed up in um him just referring to the picture as funny just because the real him thought that people would find it funny when he posted it online in the twist like the i'm kind of getting to the end here but like the the big twist not twist i don't want to say twist again I, even though i've said it like seven times but um when she's ordering him to jump off the cliff it's just so heartbreaking and it's, it's so sad because it's, I don't want to say that he's like a pet, um, but it's like, he doesn't comprehend what's going on. Like he just doesn't know what she's feeling. She doesn't know. He doesn't know her the way that the real Ash knew her or could work out what was going on. And he's just not, he's not good enough for her because he's not him. And that's just such a tragic and, and poignant thing about the, about the episode and about the story. Um, but the kind of, I guess twist is the right word. <laughs> the way that it reverses when she tells him she's, she's so angry and so emotional and yelling at him and telling him that the real Ash would have figured out what was going on. The real Ash would have would be pleading for his life. The real Ash would, would be saying that he didn't want this or doesn't want this. And then because she's telling, and then because she's telling him that he's, he reacts the way that she's by his perspective commanding. And it's, it's so heartbreaking to see her respond to him pleading for his life. Like him saying, like me, like when I was watching it, I took, I took it as, you know, from her perspective, like she is watching her loved one or a near perfect replica of, of the man she loved who died 
say to her face that he doesn't want to die and that he doesn't want to do this and he doesn't want to jump and he doesn't like him saying I don't want to die over and over again while pleading to her like that I I really got the emotional impact of those words on Martha because that is such a haunting thing to say or to see someone say to you when you've already lost them um and her reaction is just perfect because she's being ripped apart. She's, um, she's, she says that it's not fair. It's not fair. And, and it's, it's just so, it's, it's wonderful. I, I loved it. Um, and then we get kind of the coda of the episode is that she couldn't do it. Uh, she brought him back and now like her, like his, like his mother putting the pictures of the, dead loved ones in the attic she's put him in the attic and it's also this interesting i don't know commentary is the right word or or i don't know if this is intentional or i'm reaching here but it's this interesting thing where like now she has her daughter their daughter and um she gets to see the daughter gets to see ash on the weekends it's kind of like this weird divorced um uh joint custody weird thing um I don't know if that's intentional, but it it just felt that way. And it kind of, it doesn't really, well, that's what it kind of becomes about. Like it, like the, the episode is, has multiple things going forward. It's about how we represent ourselves online. It's about, um, dealing with the loss of a loved one and kind of a destruction or deconstruction of, a. it's about the implosion of a relationship. In, in certain, certain ways that that's the kind of weaker aspect of it that, um, isn't really the full focal point of it, but it, it, it fits a little bit, I guess. Um, because what they had wasn't working and, um, she didn't kill him. <laughs> so, uh, their daughter is able to, you know, know him, although she calls him Ash and it's not, it's not like, like she knows that he, she knows what his deal is and everything, but, um, that's an, it's an interesting aspect of it. It's an interesting thought experiment to, th- to wonder what this life is like for that little girl, knowing that a near replica of her father is living in the attic and she gets to see him on the weekends and on her birthday sometimes. <laughs> um, it's just, it's, it's a weird, or it's a, not weird, it's an interesting, dichotomy to bring about and it's another instance of the of black mirror um just having this really well-developed world um in a single episode that's that brings about a lot of um thoughts and and a lot of um curiosity about about the implications of what this what this means for for the bigger picture of of uh the world that the episode exists in so in the end, I would say that this episode is just, it's, it's really good. I, I really, I really like what this episode has to say about, about grief and, and all the stuff that I've said in the last half hour or so, or 40 minutes probably. But, um, I, I just, I love how it deals with, with those aspects. It reminds me, or at least the, the movie, the Babadook, Babadook kind of reminds me of, of this episode a little bit because it kind of also deals with grief and, and how you deal with that grief. Um, which is a great, it, the Babadook is a great movie if you're into, into, uh, horror movies. Um, 
like that. And it's, it's really, this episode really deals with some really heavy topics and I think that it handles them really well. And it's, it's really good, but it's not as, uh, it's still not as impactful to me as the entire history of you and 15 million merits was. Um, but it's still, it's still heartbreaking at times and it's still a showcase of some really, really talented actors, really. Um, Donald Gleason and, and Haley Atwell are incredible in this episode. Um, I just, I love it. Um, yeah. Uh, so that, I mean, that's about it. That's about all that I have to say about it. Um, I highly recommend checking out Ex Machina, The Babadook, and, uh, never let me go, even though I haven't seen that in several years, but, um, I highly recommend checking those out if you enjoyed this episode of Black Mirror and once, once to see other things, uh, kind of like it's sort of, or dealing with the same things or having the same actors, but, um, at least one same actor, but, um, anyway, yeah. Uh, so that all about do it for this, uh, for this episode, for this bonus episode of anthology. Um, so again, overall, I really liked, uh, be right back and, I'm very curious, um, how I'm going to feel about the Waldo moment and white bear, which are the next couple episodes, um, of black mirror, because I remember liking them both, but not, I don't know. I'll get into that. I'll get into that in the next couple of weeks, but, um, but yeah, for now, uh, thank you for listening. And once again, if you're in Indianapolis, please come to Shocktober in Irvington. It's a one-night event screening of short horror films from local filmmakers at the Irving Theater. More information is at shocktobernervington.com. It's on October 14th. Uh, don't miss it. It's going to be a blast. And let's see. So next week, I'm going to be talking about White Bear um, in the bonus episode. And um, I'll be reviewing on the main episode of the podcast. I will be reviewing Nightmare as a Child. Um, so look forward to that. And thank you for listening. And uh, I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Anthology, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more episodes at anthologypod.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. If you'd like to help support the podcast, please take a few minutes to leave a rating and a review on iTunes. The more reviews I get, the higher the show will be ranked in iTunes search results, making it easier for people to discover it and grow the podcast. Of course, you can always email me your thoughts and feelings about the show to matt at obsessiveviewer.com. You can also tweet me at obsessiveviewer, like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash anthologypod, or you can call and leave me a voicemail at 317-762-6099 for a chance to have it played on the show. If you like what you've heard here, I urge you to check out The Obsessive Viewer, a weekly movie and TV podcast I host with my friends Mike and Tiny. Also check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at obsessiveviewer.com where I write movie reviews, TV reviews, and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. If you want even more obsessive content in your life, subscribe to the Obsessive Viewer subreddit at r slash obsessiveviewer and check out obsessivebooknerd.com, our sister site for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious... 
Check out my friend Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com. Once again, thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next time.